episode 125, Staying Alive, Doing a Jive. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is Fried Squirms, and we're going to talk about another horror movie, and more Canadians, because it's Cube. That is very true, <laughs> which, I like Canadians. Yeah, I have no problem with Canadians, just they come up quite a bit sometimes. It happens, considering how close we are to them as well. That's true, that's true. Before we get into that, any news from your week? Not a whole lot, just chilling out. Told you off, Mike. Watched Mall Rats last night, so that's about it, really. Nice. Oh, I guess I got a little bit of news. Like, if you don't follow us on, like, the social medias, now might be the time to start, because pretty soon we're going to be... By pretty soon, I mean, like, a month and a half off. But as soon as we possibly can, we're going to the Three from Hell. Yeah, that's exciting. In, in theaters. Like, they're showing near us. Yeah, near oh, enough that we're going. So we got we fucking tickets about it. and shit already. So yeah, we talked about the fact that we were interested in seeing it whenever we got the news. You know, you had seen that where it was playing in Kalispell and Helena, so that was really cool. It's like it's close enough. So we're gonna be basic as fuck and document that <laughs> and actually like interact with people. That's as long as you guys are there to interact with. So I'm gonna say that right now. I'm gonna actually like be like, all right, selfie time, <laughs> Danny. I'm okay with that. That's just part of my plugs out of the way right in the beginning. And I'm still super excited that we have that coming up. So Yeah, right around the corner. So yeah, outside of that, I did see that there's a bunch of news on the horror front that happened over the week, mainly because of San Diego's Comic Con. Right. I mean, I had like two big things catch my eye, both from like the Marvel side of things. I don't know what other news you noticed. I've got a few Uh, bits here and there, but yeah, if you want to share yours, that's cool. I mean, the big thing for me is I fucking love Blade, and Mahershala Ali just got cast as MCU is going to introduce their version of Blade. I wouldn't be surprised if Wesley Snipes still plays a role. It's kind of well known that he's been talking to them every, like, half year or so for probably the last couple years, and has always sort of expressed an interest in returning to the role. Well, hell yeah. Uh, Mahershala is going to be Blade, so it's not going to be Wesley, but I wouldn't be surprised to still see him involved somehow. Nice. Maybe an updated version of Whistler. That'd be cool. A black Whistler instead of Chris Christopherson. But, I mean, that's killer, and Mahershala is coming off like True Detective Season 3 and Green Book, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Though though we might want to forget that one as best we can. (laughs) But no, he's really hot as far as actors go right now, and... I did watch True Detective Season 3, man, and he was phenomenal. So I can see why they would want to cast him as Blade. And then the other big thing is they officially announced the sequel to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which they're describing as the first Marvel Cinematic Universe horror film. The title, I think, is deliberately evocative Mm -hmm. of At the Mountains of Madness. And Scott Derrickson's back on, who, before doing the first Doctor Strange, did the Sinister movies. Huh. So. Well, that sounds interesting, man. I did want to check out Doctor Strange when it dropped. Just never got around to it. I know you oh, got to see it. he also did uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, which that was oh, a dope yeah. movie. I yeah, he's got one. his hands on some pretty decent <clears throat> horror films, so it's going to be fun to see what he does. I don't know if you've watched it, but that first Doctor Strange got fucking trippy. I haven't seen it yet. Out yeah, I there, it. weird, psychedelic, cosmic shit. So 
if he can take that sort of vision and turn it towards horror, we're going to have a lot of fucking crazy out there fun. So well, nice. Well, I'll get caught up on the first Doctor Strange in time. That's about all I got. The only other thing I have open is for me to enjoy later. So well, cool. Yeah. So some of the news I have is in regards, of course, to like some upcoming films, some bits of news from San Diego's Comic Con. But one of the first ones I did see, and this is kind of breaking news from a few days ago, was that James Cameron reveal that edward furlong will be returning as john connor in paramount's forthcoming terminator dark fate which he produced and deadpool's tim miller is directing and of course linda hamilton's coming back as well so for fans of like the second one t2 i know that was like a huge hit yeah. you know for a lot of people but it was a pretty big movie for that time period the trailer looks pretty good and it looks like more of a spiritual follow-up to t2 than any of the actual yeah i think from what i read too is it kind of recons any kind of sequels beyond t2 okay kind of like the latest halloween did yeah exactly so which oh that's i guess i did see that they're shooting those concurrently right yeah i've got some news regarding that but before i get into that for fans of adam sandler the cast has been set for his halloween themed netflix comedy so the name of the comedy is called hubie halloween the cast includes a lot of familiars people like kevin james julie bowman maya rudolph ray liotta steve buscemi rob schneider, schneider. yeah michael chiklis and keenan thompson so it's massive too like tim meadows of course is going to be in it colin quinn you know actually while i was writing notes for this in the background mm-hmm. i think the movie grown-ups i think is what it's called that am sandler movie with spade never, and all them. Yeah, yeah yeah i never watched it but it was on so i kept peering at it from time to time and i saw colin quinn and of course the people i've already been talking about but then i started thinking what the connection was between colin quinn and adam sandler mm-hmm. and <laughs> this is like some whole trivia but way back when, when MTV was doing like game shows and stuff, back in the 80s, Colin Quinn hosted a game show called Remote Control. And right. Adam Sandler would do like little skits in between. He was kind of like a you know, little comedic relief or whatever. I was like, man, that goes way back. No wonder why they're in films and shit together. Anyhow, that's a little bit of a tangent. But I like Adam Sandler. Eh, was Grown Ups the start of him doing movies so that him and his buddies could basically just go on vacation somewhere for a bit? That and, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can't blame him if that's the case. <laughs> it's pretty smart. Yeah, you had mentioned the fact that we are getting some Halloween sequels. And the first one, it looks like it's called Halloween Kills. That's dropping next year in 2020. Actually, it's supposed to be released on October 16th of next year. Okay. And it's going to be followed by Halloween Ends, which is slated for October 15th, 2021 release. And, of course, we've talked about the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is on board. I'm not sure about Judy Greer. I love her, and she was the worst part of that. Yeah, I could have done without her character. But, you know, it is what it is. It looks like David Gordon Green is returning to direct both. So that is really good news. Excited to see what happens with those two sequels. All right, so moving on. Some big news we talked about a couple months back and more recently, but the release date for Darren Boozman's and Chris Rock's Saw reboot is moving up five months from its previously stated release. So So we're getting it, what, tomorrow? That's what it sounds like. So it was supposed to be coming out. October 23rd of next year, that's 2020, but it's being moved up to May 15th. So it sounds like the studio has a lot of trust in this, hence the moving it up. So we've already talked about the fact that like Samuel L. Jackson's on board and some other familiar names. So we'll see what happens, man. That looks interesting enough. All right. And the next bit of news, this has to do with like some upcoming releases, but 
we talked a lot about the fact that we like cult films we mm-hmm. like folk horror films and this might be like one of the ogs so the criterion collection has picked up and they are giving 1922's hoxon a blu-ray upgrade in october so for those who are curious it's getting man, all these different documentaries. There's a witchcraft of the ages. is a 76-minute version of Hoxon. There's going to be interviews. There's an essay that's involved. Its release date is October 15th. So. We should probably mention that this is not one of them newfangled talkies. <laughs> no, it is not. We actually did mention a couple of weeks back that mm-hmm. we're a really big fan of talkies, more so than silence. So if you're not really into silent films, Hoxon might not be your cup of tea. I think that's one of the upgrades, though, is the inner titles, which is weird to say because you never have to use that term anymore. Yeah, I know what you mean. Are even getting new translations. Yeah, I saw that too. So it'll be even more polished this time around. All right, so some more news surrounding some films, and this is Lionsgate's Ethan Hawke sci-fi vampire film Daybreakers is getting a 4K ultra high-definition release. So I did see that film a while back. I don't know if I've ever seen that one, but I like it. It's not bad. It's, Hawks, it's got so. a pretty decent like premise. The film's not bad. It has some very familiar faces. Willem Dafoe, Sam Neill, people like that. We've already talked about the fact Ethan Hawke's in it. But for those who are curious about the release, you can get your hands on it on September 10th of this year. All right, I've got two more bits of news that kind of rounds it out. We're big fans of Hellraiser. I don't know how many times we've talked about that and Clive Barker, but Arrow Video Releasing, they are releasing solo copies of Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 Ooh. for the U.S. Now, there are U.K. versions. I've got the Arrow release for the U.K. I bought that not too long ago. But for those who are curious, you can get your hands on it September 24th of this year. It looks like there's some pre-ordering that you can do on DiabolicDVD.com, which I've perused a couple times. They've got some really good distributors on that. So, And the last little bit of news I have, it involves Scream Factory. And during the Comic-Con in San Diego, they have revealed that they're releasing a slew of films for Blu-ray. So... One of the big films, because it has been out of print for a while, was My Bloody Valentine from 1981. So it is being revamped and redone. Along with that, you'll be able to see The Abominable Snowman. There's going to be John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. That's a collector's edition and stillbook edition. You'll also get Body Parts, Dracula. That's in 1979. They'll get a collector's edition for that. The Fly Collection, which includes the 1958 Fly, Return of the Fly, Curse of the Fly, The Fly from 86, and The Fly Part 2 as well. There's also a Night of the Demons action figure from Nika, which is really cool. The two characters are Suzanne and Stooge, which uh, you can get them together as a two-pack. You also get Pet Cemetery 2, there's Collector's Edition, Prophecy from 79, Silver Bullet, which is a film I grew up watching in the 80s, and there's a Universal Horror Collection Volume 3, which includes Tower of London, Man-Made Monster, The Black Cat, and Horror Island, so some pretty cool shit, man. That's coming up here in the near future for Scream Factory, so yeah, that's some of the stuff that kind of caught my eye for releases, some stuff about movies. Really excited to actually talk about today's film. Yeah. as well it's you know it's one i have great. a little history with i'm pretty excited so let's just jump into it and talk about the guts and bolts of cube guts and bolts yeah guts and bolts so spoiler free who and what went into the cube <laughs> <laughs> and i guess i'll start off with a synopsis 
a group of people wake up in a cube or in cubes in a cube. <laughs> I have to find out how to get out of the cube. It's not that easy. Bad things wait. Very true. <laughs> yeah, so that's a pretty good brief synopsis. You know, spoiler-free, of course. And you mentioned the fact that we like to talk it's about... Like the beta version of Escape Room. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> so we like to talk about the cast and crew. And this week we have director Vincenzo Natalie. Now this is a gentleman we've actually talked about before. Major reason being is because we have done all three seasons of Hannibal way back when. And including his run on Hannibal, you've got such films as Cypher. He's also directed the film Paris Je T'aime. He's also known for directing the film Splice. He I wanted to see that, and I never did. Those Likewise, I never did get to see that. Fucking, I remember the trailers looking kind of creepy as shit. Yeah, I did. Like, really sci-fi, kind of trippy. Now, he's also helped with the segment You for Utopia for the ABCs of Death Part 2. I mentioned that he did, I think it was six episodes of Hannibal from 2014 through 2015. He's also helped direct a few episodes from the television series The Strain from 2015 and 16. He's also helped direct, I think one episode, was it, for American Gods in 2017. He's also known for directing some episodes of Westworld from 2016 through 2018 as well. Now, we have three writers, and one of them I've already mentioned because that's Vincenzo Natali, and along with him, you have Andre Bielik, and this is their only film credit, and the other person is Graham Manson, and he's known for writing the script for the show Renegoli, that was from 2006 and 8, Orphan Black, he's actually the creator, and that was from 2013 through 2017, and more recently, the television series Snowpiercer. Our cinematographer is Derek Rogers. He's known for being the DP on the films Cypher, Shipbreakers, Resident Evil Apocalypse. Okay. Our editor is John Sanders. He's helped with the documentary Go Further. He's also helped with the television documentary series Women on Top from 2007. The music is another person we've actually talked about, and that is Mark Corvin. Now he's helped with the television series The Border from 2008-2010, and the film that we've actually talked about him on was The Witch, because he helped compose the music for that, and he's also composing the music for the upcoming film by Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse. Is that out? I'm not sure if it's out yet. Okay. But I'm not quite sure. I know we're close to right around then. Yeah. Like, it's either really close. been out for, like... <laughs> just like two minutes or it's out in like two minutes no you know i think I mean? knowing how much we like the witch we probably would have known we're right. looking this shit up right now we're gonna see how <laughs> dumb we are cool yeah and it's still yet to be distributed so okay we'll keep our eyes out though because i am interested in that film it looks good all <laughs> right our special effects team were core digital pictures they help with the digital effects and animation caligari they help with the special makeup and physical effects and J jamb production helped with the mechanical effects on the film our producers on the film were mayra may and betty Orr. The production companies were cube libra there was odeon films ontario film development corporation the feature film project the harold greenberg fund telefilm canada and viacom canada major reason being because this was an independent film the distributor for this was Trimark Pictures. They hunt with the 1998 USA theatrical release. The release dates were September 9th, 1997. That was in Canada at the Toronto International Film Festival. And January 16th, 1998, here in the United States at the Sundance Film Festival. 
It had an estimated budget of about $350,000, that's U.S., and the box office is right around $9 million, so a pretty good return. Yeah. And I do have a tagline. There were a couple, but this one is, I think, the one. The only way out lies within your own mind. Okay. So that's our crew. We have kind of a short and limited cast. We're going to lead off with Maurice Dean Wint. He plays the role of Quentin McNeil in the film. And he's known for the television series Captain Power from 1987 and 88. He was also a part of the movie of the same name from 1991. He was also in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is a film I really enjoy. And more recently, he was in the television series Haven from 2010 through 2015. Our next actor is Nicole DeBoer. She plays Joan Levin in the film, and she was a part of the Kids in the Hall television series from 1989 through 1991. She was also in their film Brain Candy from 1996. She was also in Prom Night 4, Delivers from Evil. She was also a part of Star Trek Deep Space Nine from 1998 through 1999, and The Dead Zone from 2002 through 2007. Now, keep in mind, a lot of these people are Canadian, so... If you haven't seen them, check out some Canadian television. Well, and as we've mentioned in the past, when you're financed through Canada, a certain percentage of your leading actors have to be Canadian. Oh, yeah. They made sure of it in this one. (laughs) All right. Our next actor is David Hewlett. He plays David Wirth. Now, he's been in a lot of films, and some of them include the films Pin. He was also in Scanners Part 2, The New Order. He was a part of the Kung Fu, The Legend Continues television series from 93 through 96. Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, uh, We saw him recently in The Shape of Water. Yeah. He was also in the film Splice. He was also in the television series Traitors from 96 through 2000. Some people might recognize him because he was in Stargate SG-1 from 2001 through 2007 and Stargate Atlantis from 2004 through 2009. Our next actor I have is Andrew Miller. He plays the role of Kazan. Some people might know him from the film South of Wawa. He was also in Oh, What a Night. He was actually the one person on this cast that I recognized right away. Because I grew up absolutely loving the 1995 movie, Last of the Dogmen. Nice. And to this day, I fucking love that movie. I think it's out of print right now, which really sucks. <laughs> Makes getting a legal copy of it really hard. I know you're saying, yeah. But I think he's like the deputy in that. I just remember nice. him as being like one of the cops. And there's a bunch of cops in a couple of the scenes towards the end, but I absolutely was like... Oh my god, I've seen this guy. <laughs> nice, dude. I know. He's also known for the film Nothing. Now, he's a writer, and some of those projects include the film Simon Says. You might recognize that because it has Dennis Rodman in it. <laughs> he was also known for Boys and Girls. He actually wrote the screenplay for Nothing, and more recently, the TV movie Tremors from 2018. The next actress I have is Nikki Guadini. She plays Dr. Helen Holloway. She's known for being a part of the Twilight Zone television series from 1989. She was also in the film Silent Hill. She was in the film Lars and the Real Girl. And more recently, she was in The Handmaid's Tale from 2018. All right, the next actor I have is Wayne Robson. He plays the role of Ren, and he's been in quite a few films. I've got quite a few down because they're pretty interesting, so... Some of them include the film's parents. He was a part of Babar, the television series, in 1989. He was a voice actor for the film The Rescuers Down Under. He was in the film Dolores Claiborne, Two If By Sea. He was really well known for being in The Red Green Show 
from 1994 all the way through 2006. He was also in the film Wrong Turn. He was in The Incredible Hulk. That was the Edward Norton version. Mm -hmm. And a show I like a lot because I actually own it, and that was Puppets Who Kill from 2004 as well. And the last actor I have is Julian Richings. We've actually talked about him before because of another Canadian film. He plays the role of Alderson. And some of those films that he's been in include David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch. He was in the film The Boys Club. He was in the film Mimic. The film that we reviewed not too long ago was Urban Legend. Uh, yeah, where he's the creepy janitor. Yes, he is. His most memorable role, because there's a gigantic amount of fans of this TV show, oh, yeah. but he is death on Supernatural. Yeah, so what, for like five years, from 2010 through 2015. I also have him being a part of such films as Detroit Rock City. He was also in the movie Wrong Turn. Some people might recognize him because he was a part of Kingdom Hospital Television from he's 2004. In the witch. Yeah, he is. He was a governor in The Witch. He was also in Man of Steel. He was in Saw Part 4, X-Men, The Last Stand. American Gods, yeah, TV it, show. That's pretty cool. He was in Hannibal as well. Doom Patrol TV show. Yeah, so if you haven't seen him before, then you're probably not looking Orphan for him. Black. <laughs> yeah, a lot of really cool shows, man. He's still doing a lot of work. So, yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and our crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. Uh, we should give you some warnings for this film. Some kind of decent gore. Not like a ton of it. Not a ton, but, but when it happens, it's, it's good. Threat of rape. Yes. Language. Lots of language. There's some violence. Some violence. Although, honestly, the violence is kind of cartoonish for like the it seriousness of the gore. It really is. That's it? Well, I mean, for some people, if you don't like confined spaces or the idea yeah, of being trapped. claustrophobic. Yeah. Then maybe. you might not sit well with that. It's not the worst claustrophobic no, situation because no, no, no. those rooms are still pretty big. But Yeah, granted. But, but yeah, feeling trapped, I guess. Yeah. Isolation, things like that. Might not sit well, but for uh, the most part, it's not Maybe too bad. not the best ever representation of autism, but. Right, right. I know what you mean. <laughs> but there is a character who has the ism. But maybe not bad. I don't know. I haven't ever heard anybody bitch about this movie. Likewise, either. be honest. I don't, I don't know enough. That's what I'm going to say. But yeah, we're not experts. I'm saying it's there, so expect something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, outside of that, if you liked everything we had to mention and you're curious and or if you have seen this film, I guess you can stand by and hear how it made us squeal. Yeah. How does that make you squeal? Yeah, now we can talk about everything that Cube does, which is kills people. People kill people. That's spoiler. True. Yeah, spoilers. Spoilers ahead. Shit. Okay. Cube. Danny. Talk about Cube. Okay, so... What do you I'd, got? I'd mentioned another one of those films I saw back in high school. So, as a high schooler, I liked sci-fi back then, too, mm -hmm. with like films like Dark City and whatnot. I think my initial impression was, I really enjoyed it. I liked the concept of escape rooms, some of the death traps. Even as a, a bit of a nerd, I did like the mathematical part of it as well. Like, it came in hand. just haven't seen it in quite a while, so I was... Pretty excited to talk about it for this week. Yeah, I saw it probably in high school. It would have been out for a couple of years at that point. I saw it on VHS, didn't see it in theaters or anything. I would have been like 10 when it came out. I don't think I saw it till I was probably at least 13 or 14. Yeah, just for reference, I was probably like 16 or 17 when I'd seen it. Yeah. So it would have been late 90s, 98, probably 99. But that's probably the only time I saw it. I might have seen it again like maybe late in high school as well 
But going into this, like, there was very few things I remembered about it. In fact, the thing I remember most is probably the thing that most people remember most, which is the very opening. Yeah, it's a very memorable scene for very obvious reasons, which that's actually, like, my first note writing down was that Alderson's death is boss. Reason being, because once he steps in that room and you hear it sounds like a trap going off, he gets sliced. You don't really see it. You see the after effects. And then once literally his body falls apart, then you see what happened. And you're like, oh, shit, it's going to be like that? <laughs> yeah, I even remember, because something similar happens in the first Resident Evil. And I remember even at that time being like, oh, fucking cube. <laughs> yeah, it's dope. dope, man. Hell yeah. So in some sense, the film doesn't quite live up to that part of the film. Like no, the opening. really. Not really. It has its moments, but I don't think it quite lives up to that particular scene. I didn't make a note of this, but in the back of my head while I was watching this movie, I'm like, I kind of want, not even like Lee Wannell's cube, but like whoever was more in charge of doing like Saw 4. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think Wannell still had some part in it at that point. I would imagine they still had their hand in it, yeah, but... But you know what I'm saying, like, I want (laughs) that fucker's version of this movie be intense mm-hmm. like the stuff they left out of event horizon <laughs> would have been exactly awesome. exactly i mean its premise would lead you to believe that that could be a possibility and just put a shit ton of people in the queue damn man i understand why they keep the number of characters low so we can like empathize with them and like get to know them and shit but i would kind of like to see one of these movies because Cube isn't the only one of these movies, like where people are trapped and sh- things, you know, picking them off one by one in one way or another. Right. Just have a ton of them. Give us just all the fun in the world that we want that's set up by this fucking premise. Because how many rooms did they say there were? For a grand total of 17,000, I think it was 576 to be precise. Right. Well, and it has to be less than that because there has to be room for the rooms to move. Yeah, that leaves the space in between. Mm-hmm. There has to be like... Yeah, you have to have room to rotate, you would imagine. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's still thousands upon thousands. That's a lot of possibilities. And, I mean, not all of them are trapped, obviously, but even if, like, 1% of them are <laughs> trapped, that's, that's still what, a lot. like, 100 trapped rooms? Yeah. 170 trapped yeah, that's rooms? Yeah, like, close to 200 at that point, yeah. That's a lot. Which, that's a lot of ideas you can play with, so... Yeah, 200 different trap or death rooms. <laughs> There's a lot of shit you can play with. I don't know. No, it's still... It's, I'm going it's off on a little tangent now. Just like, I just want to see people die in traps, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But the idea, the concept's already planted because of that first scene, though. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. So the way this film opens up to, which was kind of curious to me, was after that death, you get what we find out is Hewlett's character, which is Worth laying down on the floor. And then the first person to come up through a hatch is Quentin. Right. And the first thing I noted was... Why the fuck is his hand bloody? Right? He has one hand that comes up and it's bloody. And I'll oh, later shit, find I out that's a bit of a that. foreshadowing moment. Yeah. I think the second time I watched it. I mean, I noted it first time. I didn't think much about it. But the second time through, I was like, there's a reason why his hand comes out like that. My second time through, my thought after that first scene is, it's revealed as we go on, as we run into everybody, that they all kind of have a purpose. Or they all have a specialty that would actually help them get out yeah, of Yeah, they all serve a purpose for the group that they're in. What's Alderson's purpose? 
So, well, you have to note, too, that he was alone, you would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. With Alderson, it, it is an unknown factor. Yeah, I mean, we, there's no way of answering that. Right, 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 right. What are they missing out on because Alderson didn't make it to the rest of the group? Here's a good point, too. All right, now, the total number of actors, that's including Alderson and Wren, is seven, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie's all about numbers, so it made me wonder, too, is like, well, seven is a prime number. Even if you would it down to five, that's a prime number. You get left with one person. And, you know, as the movie goes along, that's kind of what it's based on. But I don't know how much that had to do with why they, the group consisted of five. And then it whittles its way down, you know, right. eventually. So it made me wonder a little bit later on about that, too. I'm just wondering what they missed out on, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, what you don't he know anything about him. What he crew, because yeah. we don't know anything about him. Nothing. But well, we do know this. Things, <laughs> but we know that all of them know something that helps. Exactly. exactly. Except, arguably, Quentin? Quentin, arguably. But I think you could look for it as like a metaphor of what he worth was the only one Took willing to, like, and... to yeah, take initiative and shit. Everyone else was... Right. So in a, in a just sense, just like bitching and moaning. Yeah, it's exactly. He, in a sense, he was the one who kind of helped meld it together, even though people were. Even though he turns bitching. out to be a dickhole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still that authoritarian, follow the leader kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slowly but surely, we start to learn who these people are, and then the first thing that jumped out to me was once they started figuring out that each one of the rooms has a plate that corresponds with a string of three three-digit numbers. Later on, we figure out what those are, but. I was like, well, that's kind of neat, too, because at the beginning, it's like, what exactly do those represent? We're not quite sure yet, but they all do have a purpose. I wish Ren would have lasted longer. Yeah. I really liked Ren, and he lasted, what, like 20 minutes, he, Yeah, he, about, He's yeah, in and out. 20 minutes, literally in and out, and then he makes one false step. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Right he, in the face. He does, though, like, he sets it up, and he kind of tells you what the movie is going to be about. Yeah, he does. Because he tries to warn them, like, you got to just keep your mind on the task at hand so that you can save yourself from yourselves. That's a good point. Yeah, because that's where that whole bickering and arguing and... And in the beginning of the movie, Quentin's really good at helping them do that. Right, he is. He seems a lot more calm than the rest of the characters at that point in the film. But Ren's death is super cool, but... God, I really dug Ren. I I almost would have preferred, like, if they would have melded... Ren and Quentin's character together. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, because Ren even sort of warns them, like, you guys fucking talk or become unuseful and I'm out of here. So, why don't it's you just same, make yeah. them the same character? Like, I could see the that. professional is also the guy that turns into a giant asshole. Yeah. And then just have, like, a different. I mean, that's. Like, I, I like that idea because you killed. can. They both possess a certain trait that they have in common. Yeah. I could see that working. And then it's even more worrisome for the group to get their decide shit together. <laughs> to split from yeah. this person because he's the expert. That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, but no, I could see I that dig this movie. I'm not trying to like rewrite this movie well, a little bit, but I mean, I don't know. I just dug around. Well, I think the idea too. You, we've talked about the fact that he you was have, a more likable bad guy than Quentin to me. Yeah. Well, you have so many different rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Seventeen thousand, somewhere around that number. Even with that, right? Think about, we only see seven people total. I would imagine there's probably a lot more in there, which is not seeing their side of the story. Or maybe not. They seem to be kind of lazy. Think of the room that they all wake up close to is the one that's like right next to the bridge. Yeah, I still can't see them like making a lot of moves around the perimeter. 
you know they were probably only in a small quadrant that kept moving around mm-hmm. you know so that made me wonder too it's like are we just seeing one story out of several that could have been told who knows but regardless all those characters serve a purpose we find out some of it is kind of like and eh, what are the odds really that you're stuck with a mathematician who knows exactly what these numbers mean because I think a big question would be... I think the bigger question, and Dr. Holloway even asks it, is until they run into him, how the fuck did Kazan survive? Well, exactly. Well, you kind of... (laughs) Off mic kind of already told me what happens, but for the sake of this episode, who the fuck is he, right? He's just on his own, and we find out that he's the one with the tism. And much later on, you figure out, yeah, he has a huge purpose because... He can crunch numbers. He's a savant. Yeah. I do want to back it up a little bit from that, though. Right, like, right, right. Because there's... But still, who is he? How did he get there? Uh, Who's he been hanging I out with? Mention, if he's been hanging out with people? In between, like, Ren dying and even running into Kazan, there's a couple scenes that are interesting. Because Holloway, whatever her real name is... Helen. Is kind Helen. of... Uh, Ooh, she's kind of dialed up to 11 almost this entire movie. She really is. Even off the get-go. Granted, she gets body slammed. She but... <laughs> is chewing the scenery. And some of these line deliveries are amazing. Or even just <laughs> when her super exaggerated making the jerk-off motion at Worth. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what the... F- Tone, like, and everybody goes there for like a second in this movie, at least. Yeah, that's a good point. I would say Quentin chewing. goes there at the second most amount. Yeah, granted, his character calls for it. Worth probably the least, I would say. Yeah. His is a lot more tame in comparison to the rest of the characters. Oof. She's turned up to 11 She's the entire dialed in. movie. <laughs> at some points, it made it amazing to watch. At some points, it made it excruciating to watch. And I loved both versions. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all good. <laughs> um, but then the other thing is, and you kind of brought up the numbers earlier. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the nerdy aspect of it, too. And like it works out in the end. The problem with it is fucking Levin is taking way too long to figure out if 645 and 372 are prime or not. Once you're past the number five, yeah, yeah, a prime number can't end in five or two. Yeah, and then at that point you should know by now. <laughs> prime numbers past the number five can only end in one, three, seven, or nine. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, everything once you else know is this... either divisible by two. Or five. Well, here's something to her credit. Maybe not her character's credit, but to the actress's credit, is she admitted that she failed her maths. Yeah. <laughs> so she, was, she wasn't good at maths to begin with. And I, I'm not mistaken, I think Vincenzo said, too, like he wasn't really a big mathematician. He just liked the idea of mm-hmm. math being involved. So there's that. So I can see some fallacies there because of that. But, I mean, she gets it right because I, I yeah. didn't even write down what the third number was. It was prime. And that's when she was like, oh, yeah, here's one or whatever. But right. she was like 645, 372, and had to sit there and think about it. And I'm like, well, it ends in a two. so Yeah. So, nope. Nope. It ends in a five. So yeah, that that's easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you know that, because that would lend a tan, too. Like, she knows a lot more just besides the prime numbers because she finds out about, like, the Cartesian flow that it has mm-hmm. to go in and then oh well it's not just that there's also the factors yeah and... 
the powers of primes and it's like oh fuck me <laughs> i don't know for the shit that she's doing later on though it seems like that would be the easy part not yeah. where she's sitting there for like five seconds like <laughs> uh that's not prime <laughs> that was the, the big question i was gonna ask is outside of the film you know this is probably more reserved for like the end of this but just for the sake if you were trapped in there, right, with a group of five people, and none of you are in, like, that's including me, because I know math up to a certain degree, I wouldn't have figured this I wouldn't out. Have, I wouldn't even have thought to think that any of them were prime or not. No, I, you know, you see a series of numbers, and you're, yeah, your first idea, I was like, what the fuck is this? I would have been thinking serial numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, they're just, yeah, they're identifiers, but what, to what extent, I don't fucking know. Yeah. I'm not thinking that way. I wrote that if I'm in there, though, I'm dead anyway, because I can't fucking climb around like that bullshit, especially no, not silently. There's one room I want to talk about a little bit later on, but there is a line during the whole mix-up after Ren's death and the fact that they're talking about, he was saying that you should keep your head down and keep going, blah, 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 and that's what, uh, that's been where this is. that's what he said. <laughs> I was like, whoa, so that's been around for a bit. That's funny. It's just a little different. <laughs> but um, moving along, right? Once you start figuring out how these rooms work with the traps and the safes rooms, yada, yada, there comes a point where there is a fuck up. As soon as I have to go vertical or up or down, I'm fucked. Yeah. Well, those rooms too, man, they're what, 14 by 14? Yeah. So there's a huge drop if you slip. And I have a problem with some of the scenes because of that too. Oh, what, like worth getting thrown down and Dude, shit? Or? if you get slung down 14 feet, oh, you're going to get fucked up <laughs> pretty bad. You're not going to sit there and giggle five seconds later. Well, even when he's getting thrown like halfway into the room Dude, from just the middle entrance, hurt. that's a seven-foot fall. Yeah. Plus he's getting thrown seven foot... How is Quentin throwing him that far first he's off? He's pretty strong, but, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, the, that's where some of that stuff comes into play. It's like... Uh, that's not really believable because he probably would have broke his fucking neck. I really wish we could have saw the twisty razor wire that Quentin almost got yanked with. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some of the makeup effects. It's like, ooh, if someone's not paying attention, that looks really bad. <laughs> Why in the world would you decide that the fucking super, super deadly room that gets set off by sound that you have to crawl down into is the room that you should try out? to go through all right see that's all right now then this is what we're talking about here these are some of the issues that i have with the film why wouldn't you try any of the other rooms dude they test it out like how many different times three or four different times with sound it's like you're fucked oh you're so fucked especially with tism dude and then the fact that they don't get fucked is the worst part of it. Yeah, it's like somebody should have got fucked by that room. That's like even with the whispering. I was like, look, you've already you already I said buy them voice figuring activated. out some way to get past the the acid more than getting past that shit. Yeah, especially with Kazan around. Man, that would be a difficult choice to have him around. Now, granted, like I said, he does have a major <laughs> aspect that he ha- he's a savant, so he knows how to crunch numbers, which comes into play. But you don't know that. Right? Right. It's like, who is this dude? Yeah, he has, you know, he has the autism, but does that mean that we should keep him around? <laughs> no, not necessarily. You shouldn't try to go through the silent room. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hitting at. It's like, you can't trust that. You should maybe 
try to just run really quickly across a different room or something. Jesus, man. Yeah. That try to do just fucked. enough movement into it that you can figure out how the sensors are working and then take it from there. Yeah. That was the one room that I just didn't buy that. I didn't buy any of that. No. And especially like, nah, we're not going to do one where we're like upright. We're going to do one where you're doing one of the most strenuous activities that you can do. And that's pull yourself along by only your arms. Yeah. Monkey bar on that shit. Monkey bar that shit. <laughs> All right. Now, another thing I was thinking during that scene, too. Had I been Quentin, I would have gone first and then Kazan last. Because if, you know, it would be his ass, not mine, mm-hmm. if that's the case. But for the sake of the film, it couldn't play out that way because we find out later. <laughs> I did end up having to write down that, like, after the big fight about what the cube really is and worth sort of giving it to them both where yeah. it's like, no, you're kind of both right and kind of both really wrong. And this exists. And now they just use it. Cause otherwise you have to admit that it's pointless, but it is pointless. And that's kind of the point and exactly all this and that I kind of wrote down like this movie's kind of like the government conspiracy version of a cosmic horror Ooh, yeah i can see that we're like in cosmic horror you have this giant uncaring universe that it's not even malevolent but that doesn't matter when right, you're still getting killed yeah you know what i mean when you're down at your viewpoint it still is a horror story well, it's course, not yeah. just the universe rolling along like normal and this one is like well it is technically like a government conspiracy but this isn't some evil plot. It's just this thing that exists and is completely uncaring. Yeah, exactly. Now you're here, and that sucks for you. <laughs> well, you know, that's a good point, too, because he spells it out worth once you get the big reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, that's almost nihilism to a T, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like, well, sorry, <laughs> you know? It's non-caring, right? Either way, whether mm-hmm. you live or not, whether it exists or not, it doesn't make a fuck difference. You're here. And he's like, Big Brother is not watching you. Yeah, I mean, he does really shut them down both really quick. Which I think Cube Zero undoes. I think they're like, no, Big Brother's watching you. Well, but I think that's why it's not as well received. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but <laughs> that's probably why I haven't watched any of those either. But what it started making me think too is like some of the social metaphors that this film was about, not just for their characters themselves, like what they do and what they serve and what their purpose is. And Things like that. It made me wonder, like, during that time period, too, like, how much was that a social commentary just in the world? Because you... It seems like it's really hardly, like, strongly embracing, like, centrism. Yeah. It's... (laughs) You know, if you do just keep your head down and diligently work and just do what you're told, then the bigger picture happens, even though you're not watching it. But once you do, does it... It's not going to make much of a difference what you do, really. It has to be a collective... And I think that's kind of maybe more of a metaphor of why they have to stick together, why they are together, because they all do have a trait that will lead to their survival if they pursue it you know, purely, but they don't. I think the harder thing to answer about this movie is that it does have these discussions in the middle of it, and these characters represent these different ideas at different times, especially whenever fucking Holloway and Quentin are bickering. And then they bring worth into it with his own fucking realistic <laughs> viewpoint of it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it's more of a, like, self-hating viewpoint you end up Loathing. coming to find out. Yeah. yeah. And, like, just guilt. So then what is the movie trying to say by having Kazan be the survivor? <laughs> uh, 
that might be a like a commentary about well, all right, no, because of the wiki. Other than that's a super bleak ending because right. Kazan's the one person who can't tell anybody about what happened here. No, not really. I mean, we do know he can verbalize, but it's just very limited. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly like centered around astronomical, candy drops, that kind of stuff. You know, he doesn't like red. We do know that. He's not going to be able to no, he, let anyone know what happened. I can't here. see that happening. You're right. But I think his character, and this kind of makes sense in a larger scale, and that's why I brought up Wiki, is that it explains that each one of their characters' last name, their surname, is, is a prison. Right, is a prison. It makes sense why they're dressed the way they are. You know, and certain prisons existed for certain so, reasons. Uh, it looked like the Kazan. San Quentin. Kazan is in Russia, right? Yeah, Leavenworth is a combination of Leaven mm-hmm. and Worth, which is the Leavenworth prison. Holloway's. Ren is in France. Exactly. All of them, Alderson. So there's a couple that are outside of the States or several that are inside the States. But the thing I was thinking with Kazan, because it says that it was a place for people who had mental disabilities and things like that, is typically people who are associated with you know, these certain characteristics is sometimes they just get tossed away like they're tossed away from society. But in his case, he was the one who actually led them out. You know, Like he said later on, you find out why. I mean, on a larger scale, but for this film... He, it's weird how he, you would think, well, why is he the one who gets to leave and everybody else is fucked? Yeah, he can't tell the tale, you're right. Because to a larger degree. It ends up not making any difference that Quentin threw the last boot out. Did you notice that? Yeah, he's right. It didn't matter. It didn't matter one bit to the end of this movie. Right. Well, that kind you. of bugged me the second time through. I'm like, I'm like, really? And then I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter anyway because then they figure out a better way of getting through the maze using Kazan. Yeah. And then apparently he can just get through and meet back up with them. All right, that's what I want to argue about too. <laughs> that's like that's some bullshit. That's some giant bullshit. I yeah. don't like that. I didn't. I would have liked it better if they would have went into the bridge, like they would have been crossing the bridge and it was trapped. <laughs> you know Ooh. what? I, this this is all hypothetical here, but even though it's the room they start in, when it, once it becomes the bridge, it's trapped. Yeah, that would, that would have been really fucked. But what I think for comedic purposes I would have done is as soon as they open the hatch and it reveals the exit, you have Quentin jump out like, surprise, motherfuckers. <laughs> if you're going to have him show up anyway, you might as well. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> At least that would have gave me like some reason to laugh a little bit because the other reason's like, nah, I don't think so. No. There's no fucking way. They left his ass way in the dust. And how is he going to figure that out? He would have fucked himself. He ain't going to figure that shit he out. He doesn't have He's a boot. He's too pissed off. Exactly. He can't think. He doesn't have He's a He's dehydrated. Boot. Yeah. He can't do math. <laughs> yeah, as far as we know. Not for shit. So, yeah, th- I didn't believe that either. I don't think he can count past that three children he beats. <laughs> That's another prime number. <laughs> I didn't believe that. But, I mean, like I said, for the sake of the film, I guess they're trying to give you the impression that does it really matter in the end? Like I said, you got the one person who survives who can't tell the tell, you know? So in the end, does it really matter that this even happened? Does it matter at all? Right. You know? I understand that it's a metaphor for the larger stuff at hand. Like, we're just kind of castaways. We play these little parts. If you don't see the big picture, then what does it really matter anyway? Pawns in this uncaring system. Yeah, and you're right. You said more for, like, the the cosmic horror. We exist in it. From our point of view, is very horrific, but... 
in essence, it doesn't really matter either way. No, it's just a giant unfeeling. <laughs> right, right. And so that makes me wonder, too. It's like, I mean, I like that concept because that is very horrifying, especially in this, like, claustrophobic nature that these people are in. I kind of wish this was, like, a longer movie to deal with, like, their own paranoia amongst themselves and just the fact, like, their desperation as time's running out because we never really get them, like, to the point where fuck, like, you're looking tasty because I haven't ate in, like, three days, you know what I mean? And that was part of the fear built into this. Right, right, right. There are moments, of course, that you do see, like, dehydrated lips, but I don't think it's enough to make me believe that they're physically dehydrated and they're exhausted, and there's moments of that, but not wholeheartedly. No. And... There's times where the acting leaves a little bit to be desired. Right, right. Which yeah, is the other the thing where, like, I don't know, like, I kind of want, like, a longer version of this. Like, I think they're trying to reboot it. And I was going to say, I did read that, but I know it's kind of like a purgatory yeah. limbo, yeah. But I don't know if I want a longer version of it with this cast. Yeah. It's like, it is a very foundational film. Like, I will say that in that... I dig this movie as much as it too. sounds like it sounds I'm getting like we down are on of, it, but... No, no. It has its flaws, and, you know, we're just being realistic here even though it does have these up fl- that quentin shows back up <laughs> yeah i i still it's can't so buy fucked that up that quentin shows back i mean up. i understand for you know just to give you that extra what the little... fuck was that he stabbed was that one of the door handles it was okay it was and what i read what they were i was like i've actually used those before <laughs> they're used for dyes for like threading pipe and things like that i might not have used the exact model they have but i've used something of that nature where you have to thread certain things with it did he fucking blood on Satan's claw her? He did. <laughs> he got her, and then he uh, he shivved Worth. And then Worth, of course, grabs him at the end. And they do the shaky cam. Some of the shaky cam was like, oh, boy, that is I kind of, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, after the fucking, the cubing in the beginning, and then, dude, fucking Ren's face getting fucked up by the acid was pretty killer. That was good. That was pretty that fucking That was really killer. good. I was really hoping that we were going to see half Quinn at <laughs> yeah. the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. But all we see is that blood trail on the... Yeah, and even that's like special effects, digital. <laughs> right? However, they had all the CGI done for free for them. So I did see that. Good no. on them. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It makes sense because we talked about the fact that it had really low budget. Honestly, the CG in this movie might hold up better than another 1997 bigger budget motion picture by the name of Spawn. Oh, that's a good point. You know, and I think part of the reason probably too is because they didn't try to use it too much. They use it just to enhance certain moments in this film. And to create those moments where they can't build that. Yeah, exactly. But I did read too, and I'm pretty sure you did too, that this was just shot in a room built. Oh, when I was watching it, I'm like, they made one set for this. Yeah, and that's, they? They I mean, that's kind of the brilliance different. too of this film. No, I did hear that it took its toll because they could not shoot in sequence because you know you have to keep changing these gels in and out in and out so they just they shot certain scenes depending on the color, what color of the room right and from what i read that david hewlett guy played worth like he became kind of aggravated because he's like man i had to remember all these lines and you know we're just kind of exhausted and nothing's in order so you know mm-hmm. it's kind of jumbled too so there's a line that he says in the film i think it is to holloway where he's like whew he's like I feel better. And he said it was kind of, he'd done that sarcastically. That was like a sarcastic line. Because he was relieved that those Red Room shoots were finally over. And in the other rooms, he didn't have to say as much. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of neat. But 
still just to think like for practical purposes and i think natalie too said that he never thought he would get enough funding to like create a movie and then when he did you know the low budget for the time but i think it was the ingenuity too is to have almost like a stage production what was the budget on this again Three hundred fifty thousand. i'm almost surprised i spent that much money on this to be honest though i still think that's not bad considering it's not bad no but i'm okay yeah, yeah, it's like it was shot. At the same time, days. I'm like, it's it's one room though. Like, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. That makes me wonder how much went into like maybe post production. Probably not a lot, but I don't know. I don't know where the budget goes. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, shooting one room, having to do what they have to do, make it believable. That's including the traps and things like that. But seeing the way that things are cut to mm-hmm. from room to room is like, oh yeah, I can see why or how they're pulling that off. Because if you don't know that. You really couldn't tell. Well, and when they're fucking monkey barring, you definitely can see the room move a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, I think that's pretty creative, man. Like, somebody had mentioned, I listened to a couple of reviews, is like, it almost felt like at moments like a TV movie or like a television series. But then again, it's like, you know what it really But then other moments, it seems a lot more highbrow than that. And not to put me, down TV. No, no, no. But it made me feel a little bit like how uh, watching Jason X was filmed oh, or like acted yeah. and stuff. It has a I mean, no, granted, both of them are Canadian, but it's like, I kind of feel that way watching this film a little bit. It's just, you know, it's a different film, but it has that feel to it. Yeah. Oh, I fucking dig this. No, it's a really I'm good actually, film, I'm kind of curious about watching Hypercube. I've never watched either of the sequels. I haven't either. But I'm not I, as, I'm honestly, I'm not as excited about Cube Zero, even though I do like this movie, but I'm kind of curious about Hypercube. Yeah, like what? I mean, I'll I'll check them out for sure. But like you were saying, as much as it sounds like we're taking a turd on the film, we're not really. We're just you know picking out the parts just, that are we pretty just obvious to it us. Twice over the past weekend, and Quentin shows up at the end, and both times I watched it. Yeah, but then again, that's my problem. That's where the foreshadowing I was saying too kind of makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Is you see his hand coming up mm-hmm. in the first scene that you see of him, and in the last scene he's like red Kazan. You know, I was like, oh, he's got the fucking bloody... Both hands are bloody now. Mm-hmm. One hand... And that maybe that was a metaphor to what they were saying, too, with the left hand and the right hand. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, vice versa. Now they both in cahoots. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Cahoots. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but... That's the only thing that would make sense to me. Strangling Kazan cahoots. <laughs> yeah. But what I thought was neat was for Kazan, the guy who played him, Andrew Miller, was that he and Hewlett used to do stage productions together... Okay. And Hewlett and Natalie, I think they went to school together. And Hewlett's the one who suggested Miller to play Kazan oh, okay. to Natalie. So that's why he was cast for that part. But I think the cast themselves, like they're very capable actors and actresses. Yeah, they hammed it up a little bit in certain scenes, there's no doubt. But they were still believable enough to what their character was supposed to portray, I felt like. Yeah. Even though some of it was exaggerated, of course. It was still believable. They did a good job. It's a fun film. I like sci-fi and a little bit of that horror. doesn't hurt either. I don't feel like it's a real horror film, per se. But it but does. It's, it's it, one it of those treads. ones that it's not like it's not a horror film. No, exactly. There are moments where it's super horrific. Like, I wouldn't want to be in that shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. But if I did find myself in there, it's like, all right, now what? <laughs> you know? So... I can see myself. I'd be like, I'm not going up or down. We're going this room, side this to room, side. this room, or this room. Well, that's bitches. the thing. Is like you're eventually, well, at least hopefully, going to run into an edge. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Just keep going. As long as we keep picking right. <laughs> it it kind of doesn't seem like a lot of the rooms are trapped, right? Well, you said they're, that, they're that they were trying like, to head a specific direction. Yeah. So, I mean, they figured it out. I'm like, I know enough math to maybe get by, but not to that extent. I'd be a lot better off with just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing a purely physical motion on, uh, you know, an audible medium, but I'm just very quickly sticking my hand in and out of the, the room to see if I set off Hot, cold, hot, cold. <laughs> yeah. I maybe even, I lose a hand. That sucks. You know, after a while, too. I got a doctor right there. It would make me wonder. Because I'm not killing Holloway. No, 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 no. You need her. But I was wondering, too, like, would you even think or consider using the boot as, like, your in and out method as well? You know, like uh, how Ren did, like he just throwing his boots left and right, just check. I probably would have started doing that after I lost a hand. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm not losing a fucking foot. I'll lose a boot before I lose my foot. Yeah, that makes more you sense. You know what I mean? Like, I would have been doing my hand method, and then I would have got my hand chopped off. Uh, ooh, nope. And I would have had the doc save that somehow, and then I would have been like, boot, boot. <laughs> yeah. And that then somebody would get fucked up because the boot went and set it off. And then I would probably put the boot over my nub so that it was, like, <laughs> boot protecting my nub yep. at the same time. And yeah, I mean, once you start losing body parts, you're fucked already. But Right. Yeah, eventually something's got to give. I would hope that after the room that something cut off my arm, the next room would have a flamethrower and I could just cauterize the end of that bitch. And... <laughs> All right. I had a couple of questions to ask before we finish this up so my first one was and i already mentioned it how did worth not get hurt falling down 14 feet and we've already kind of went over that right right and that's like i've fallen down 10 foot straight on my back before and like i didn't get too fucked up but like wind got knocked out of me and i was yeah, just laying sucks. there for like five minutes like that shit sucks like, it's he went too. down an extra four foot and, and was he kind was shoved of, down yeah he was shoved down so there's force on top of it like, my situation was I was crawling down off of a giant stack of hay bales, and my hand grasp went, and I landed, like, flat, pretty much. I'm guessing he would have landed, like, shoulder first. Oh, yeah, something's like, crunching. Yeah, something's crunching. For sure. So that was one of the questions I had. Well, this leads into the second one, and this is more of a outside-of-the-box <laughs> question. Is, is Levin, the lady who played Levin, is she the female version of Patrick Fugit? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I was like, wow, she looks super familiar. Then I started thinking, I was like, holy shit, she looks like Patrick Fugit. <laughs> All right. This is not a question, but this is just an observation I made. That was kind of funny. Yeah. Is during the time where Worth was negotiating with Kazan about the gumballs, right? First, right. he's like, you know, says he wants gumballs. They don't have them. He said, if we get out, I'll buy you. He said, a box. He said, they come in bags. And then somewhere down the road, he's like, I want 27 bags. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute because yes. that's the exit. It represents the exit. <laughs> oh, that's neat. I yeah. Like that. So that, that was kind of neat. And uh, yeah, outside of that, man, I just thought it was kind of cool. Like I said, I don't know how much the fact that there's a certain amount of characters. And then it dwindles down how much that has to do with the math that actually is in the film. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it just because it deals with math. But regardless, I think it's an interesting film. Like, so I'm glad we got to talk about it, get to revisit it. It's one I haven't seen, I don't know fucking how long, dude, but I'm glad we yeah, did, though. It's it's fun. So it's something long. we talked about for a while. So, like I said, it was fun to re-explore it. 
Yeah, shit, I can't think of much else to say. Yeah. I really enjoyed the fact that we rewatched it, but at this point, we have decided what we're doing next week, and I think I'm a bit more excited for that. Like, I got on this one. I actually watched this one earlier than I normally do in the week. I watched it, like, Saturday night instead of Sunday night. Because I was like, oh, it's cute. Yeah. I haven't seen this in forever. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's time. only an hour and a half, so, yeah. you know, it's not bad. Super enjoyed it. But this next one, like, I've only heard good things about, and it's going to be a return to Korea. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I know we've done Asian recently, but this one for a certain purpose, too. Well, what we haven't really done recently is Ghosts. Exactly. So, next week, we will be doing Tale of Two Sisters. Tale Sister. of Two Sisters from South Korea. I to make yeah. sure I didn't fuck that up. Tale of Two Sisters, South Korea, not North Korea. No. <laughs> that's, that's its own horror story. They won't let us document that. Right. <laughs> I really wanted to keep running with that, but I don't know what to do. But in order to keep listening to us talk about that next week, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. You can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. There's other ways of listening to us up at the top. Latest episode is always streaming down at the bottom. Portals to all of our online places, the Twitter, the Insta, and our Facebook, and our entire back catalog in the middle. You can always contact us through the website or by hitting us up, squirmcast at gmail.com. Cool. Yeah. You know, you can always give us a holler (laughs) if you'd like. Just let us know if you have some movie recommendations, if there's some suggestions. We've mentioned, too, that we like to review films from people in the industry. So if you need somebody to put some eyeballs on those, let us know. Oh, and I guess we'll give a warning a couple weeks out. After next week, we will be having a week off break. Right. So in two weeks' time, yeah, we'll have a short break in between. Because we know that's coming up, we'll let you know early. But then we'll be back. You know, Full force. Full force. Just giving it to you as as best we can. That's right. X going to give it to you. <laughs> Where the hood at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're my dogs. <laughs> All right. This week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Out.